Hey everyone, do you love movies? Do you like betting? If you do, then Box Office Bets is the podcast for you. With Tom Cunningham and myself, Brian Ortega, we'll guide you through Oscar season with our breakdown of each Oscar contender and give you our projections based on what the betting market is saying about each Oscar race. Make sure to check us out every week as we focus on a specific movie and break down its best chances to win right here on Box Office Bets. Hey everybody, welcome back to Concierge Confidential. I'm your host, Brian Ortega, and we are back for another week of Concierge Confidential. So, this is a special week. I'm actually down in Tucson, um, here for my uh, nephew's uh, first communion. So I came down, spent the time with some family, and I thought this would be a great time to actually talk to somebody who was in Las Vegas before I was born. So, uh, I'll be having my dad, Alex Ortega, on, who's been to Vegas more times than I can count. Maybe asking why I think he's an expert of going to Vegas. Well, I think it's really good to have somebody who was there before Vegas became, you know, really monopolized of a lot of corporations and really sort of in a time that sort of we forget, which is really the 1980s in Las Vegas. So that's going to be our focus on our conversation today on Concierge Confidential. So I'll have my dad, Alex Ortega, coming up next. Hey everybody, this is Brian Ortega from Concierge Confidential, and this episode is brought to you by AO Painting, who have been experts in specialized coating, servicing Arizona for over 40 years. AO Painting specializes in industrial projects and are a one-stop shop for sandblasting, industrial painting, waterproofing, and much, much more. To see more of their work and to get a quote, you can visit aopaintinginc.com. That's aopaintinginc.com. AO Painting, where specialized is where we start. All right, everybody, we are back to Concierge Confidential. So we're now going to bring in my guest, my own dad. He is 61 years old. He's an owner of a very small business. You may have heard of it if you've heard this podcast in the past. He also owns racehorses. He's got his foot in a lot of different sort of piles. And he's the foremost expert of Las Vegas, who I've been going to Vegas ever since he's been around. And now I'm going to introduce my dad, Alex Ortega. Hi, dad. How are you? Hello. Very nice. <laughs> Thank you. So uh, we are recording this on a Sunday after a very long day of um, hanging out with family and everything. But we've had this conversation over time to try to figure out what Vegas was like in the 80s, because I think that's when you said it was the first time you had been going. So what was it like? Like, the, So can you tell us when was the first time you actually been to Las Vegas? First time we went to Vegas was uh, me and my wife. It was probably 81. We had bought a brand new uh Camaro hatchback <laughs> when they first came out and uh, we drove out to uh, Vegas and we stayed at the Salinda Hotel <laughs> which is no longer there anymore. no right across from the uh, Dick Stupak's uh, high rise what do you call it uh, the stratosphere yes yes which would have been resorts world at the yes. time not resorts world it would have been uh, it would have been Vegas world at the time Vegas but world certainly changed names and believe it or not, I left the wife at home, and I, I crossed the street, and I uh, bet blackjack for about three hours, four hours. I was betting small, ten bucks, twenty bucks, and uh, the dealer told me, "Do you know what? If you would have been betting heavy, you would have been like five thousand up. I couldn't lose." But like I say, it was our first time there. So, so mom told me before that she was actually didn't want to leave the room. Like, she didn't want to walk around at all. 
And this was obviously before the time of like cell phones. Did you have a pager at all? I had no pager. The only pager I had was the clock in my head. <laughs> so, so what was it like? So you said you played some. What was the minimum bet back in 1981? $5. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was a lot of money back then or whatever, but uh, it was fun. But, so, uh, so do you remember, do you know if it was single deck, double deck, six decks? It was, it was single deck. There was none of that shuffle stuff or whatever. So ever, so you started going to Vegas in the eighties. So what was it that you, so how many times do you think have been to Vegas? Cause I know, we don't know the exact number, but I know that my mom was keeping track for a long time that she wouldn't go to Vegas or she, until you we went to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And I know that it, that tally got up to at least 50, and then we stopped keeping count. Yeah, she would uh, keep uh, a tally, and uh, she said, we better go to San Francisco or Hawaii, or we're going to stop going to Vegas. But uh, everything worked out, and uh, the thing is that you decided to go UNLV, yeah. And that gave us an excuse more to reason go. to go check your grades. Right. So before we get you know into the modern day, I wanted to ask you, so what was it like? So you started going in 81, and you started going more and more. What made you fall in love with the city of Las Vegas? What really turned you on about the city? The lights, the, the glitter, the action. Uh, we've always liked uh, sports, and you put sports with sports betting. And now you have double trouble, but uh, the wife likes she uh, she likes the machines and everything, but uh, for me it's the sports betting. So, but this was during a time when you couldn't bet on sports in any other state except Nevada. So, at the time, that was your main thing that you did. You play you played blackjack, and then you played sports betting. Obviously, when. When did it turn on where you started going more frequently? Would it be the 90s, the mid-80s? Well, uh, I'm a contractor, and I've done okay in, in, in the business world. So now we had a little more you know, money to spend. But one thing I really would not uh, recommend that we did was red eyes. Oh, my God. You would take a bus from Tucson at 8 a.m., the bus driver would drive and everything for about eight or ten hours. You would get there. You would not check in. You would gamble all night. And then you would get the bus back about 10 o'clock in the morning, and that's why you would be have a red eye. But it was, it was horrible. It was just uh, very, very stressful. But you have to do it one or, one, one or two times. So when was the first time you stayed at, like, a major hotel? So obviously... The Salinda is not there anymore. But in the 80s, they had the Showboat, they had the Stardust, the Frontier, all the, the Aladdin, I think, was still there. When was, like, the first big hotel you stayed in? Yeah, we always thought we were a small time, and, uh, oh, my God, how can we stay at a casino? You know, and then, uh, you know, we grew up here, you know, in humble beginnings or whatever, and we would stay at Motel 6 or Motel 8. Oh, but when you actually checked into maybe... Uh, uh, stardust with all the lights and everything and you didn't have to drive or anything you just come down and and gamble it was uh it was a, a very good experience so i would say i don't know maybe uh, 81 let's say uh, 85 mm-hmm. and uh it was it was a lot of fun 
but it has changed over the years. So in in 85, let's just say, what did the so let's just say you walked in the hotel. So we pull up to the valet, you're walking into the hotel. What's the first thing you see? So you walk in and you obviously have valets in the front, the bell the bellhops, the taxi captains. You walk in, you're at the front desk. What do you see? Do you see smoke? Do you see low ceilings? What are you seeing? None of those. You hear the change dropping in the machines. Of course, that doesn't happen anymore, but that's what you would hear, the bing, 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 and the change dropping. But uh, the... Did it smell? Did it smell like smoke? Uh, was it a good smell? It was Carpet? A, it was a good smell, but uh, although I don't, I don't smoke, but uh, no, uh, one of the first things that I remember is Folly's Bergere. Okay, yeah. Everybody talks mm-hmm. about the car and this and that and all the other, uh, you know, uh, magic shows and everything. But it was all about Folly's Bergere. So for those who don't know, Folly's Bergere was at the Tropicana. And it also, I think, moved over to the Riviera later in its sort of iteration, which was a topless show. Which, for those of you wondering what Vegas was like sort of around that time, the 80s and going into the 90s. The 80s was kind of a weird time just because the 80s is sort of was the end of the mob. The mob really left like 1980, 81 for the most part. And the corporation started taking over really early 80s. Uh, sorry, really late 80s. Think like uh, Steve Wynn. That's when he opened up the Mirage, which opened in 1989, I believe. I believe that's the year, uh, which was the first mega resort. It could have been 91. I'm sort of getting my years mixed up. But that's really when you were getting the sort of separation between adult Vegas and kid Vegas, which happened in the 90s, which I was around for the 90s one, which is where it got a little bit different. So moving from the 80s into the 90s, what were some of the things that you enjoyed in Las Vegas during the 90s or just during your time, the early days of Vegas? So you got to Vegas. Did you go to buffets? Was there the steakhouse? It was a little bit more straightforward. You didn't have a lot of these high-end chefs coming to town. So what did you see? Did you see the buffets? How much were the buffets, if you remember? The buffets were very, you know, that's what they would push was probably, you know, ten ninety-five or whatever is all you can eat or whatever. Was it good? Uh, it was all right. It was all right. But now you go to like a Wicked Spoon at the Cosmo or whatever. It's probably, about, I don't know, $50, mm-hmm. We We never knew anything about bone marrow. Which we had never favorite. we we had never had anything about prime rib. Everything was salads and uh, you know a turkey and dressing or whatever. But it was all good. It was all good. Mm-hmm. So when we move from the eighties into the nineties, so you really like the sports books. Let's just kind of go to the sports books for a second, which have evolved throughout the years. So to you, what is the perfect sports book? So. Let's, we were talking about the Mirage earlier. The Mirage was really the first mega resort on the Strip. And honestly, one of the one of the sports books I remember the most. And when I think of what a sports book is, I think of the Mirage's sports book. So what do you think makes a good sports book? Or what, what do you believe a good sports book should look like? Just because you... Honestly, the thing is, everybody. So my dad has played a lot of sports betting, a lot of gambling in the whole life, span of his life. But this was before there were players' cards and things to track. So you might ask, is my dad like a noir member or the top tier of like M Life or Caesars? And the problem is, is that he doesn't play table games. He doesn't play slots, which is really where a lot of the tier points, tier credits come from. 
And when he started doing a lot of the sports betting, that's the one area of the hotel that doesn't get tier points. So that's actually funny that my mom actually has a higher tier level than my dad because she likes to play the slots, which that's sort of the moneymaker. So if you're thinking of, hey, I want to be somebody with a host or somebody with a, a player representative is kind of what they're called. You have to play a lot of slots or you have to play an extreme high level of table games and sports betting, which everybody loves to jump on, doesn't really factor into that to a lot of places. A lot of newer places are getting into it, but that's not really going to get your tier credits. It's going to be the hotel stay and obviously uh, uh, the machine. So so I've kind of answered asked this question a couple of times. So what do you think makes the perfect sports book for you? Well, let me take you back a little bit. Uh, in the old days, you used to go see the horse races, all paper, handwritten entries. It used to be race one at Aqueduct, two, three, and used to be all handwritten. After the race, the, the race was uh, official, they would circle it and start handwriting the results. Mm-hmm. That's not happen anymore now it's all bright lights shiny I, I i think of the mirage how bright everything is and it's all electronic who won who won whatever everything was handwritten even before that uh the sports book tickets were handwritten you get a little sheet or whatever and they would actually handwrite everything there was no computers the actual uh, tenant would read the numbers and grade it and pay you. Funny thing is, I I, I remember one time uh, before Brian used to live over there, we I had a Lakers bet, handwritten, and I was uh, giving eight points, and I was cutting the lawn at my house, Merlin, you remember, Brian? Mm-hmm. And the Lakers are losing horrible. They're losing by 20. And I get this goddamn ticket, and I... At halftime, they were losing by whatever, and I tear it, tear it, tear it. It's about 50 pieces, and guess what? It was showtime back then with um, uh, Magic Johnson, Worthy, all the whole bit. And they come back, and they probably cut her by 20. So my lovely wife, Juanita, Jenny, she helps me get it out of the garbage, and we put it together, we scotch tape it, and we said, well, it, it was a $100 bet. It was a two-team party. In those days, $360 was a lot of money for me. And we called and we said, okay, can we cash this? They said, if we can read the bottom number, we'll cash it. So, okay, here we go. There was none of this uh, electronics or whatever. Mm-hmm. So we went. They cashed it. And it's a good lesson. Never tear your tickets and i've so many tickets i've torn good lesson so do you think that do you think that uh do you think from back in the day when you were gambling a lot more you had a lot sharper people in terms of blackjack craps a lot more people who knew about gambling than you do now because i feel like that's it's it's a weird time because everybody thinks they know what they're doing and they can just do it it's also gotten more expensive, so people who can afford it can do whatever they want. But back then, when you have people, you know, five, ten dollar bets, do you have, you know, 
sharper betters? Do you have not as sharp betters just to help everybody kind of figure out between now and then who, when it was more advantageous? Well, some things are so silly. Used to be about 10 years ago, you couldn't have your cell phone. Mm -hmm. You would have your cell phone and they would say, no cell phones, no cell phones, because they would see you, they would, they would figure you had some kind of info, inside information right. or the lines changed. Sort of like bookies. Oh. Like you knew a guy. Yeah. So now there's so much out there with the internet, you know, this or that or whatever. And now, as long as you're not standing in the line on your phone, you can be in your phone. Mm -hmm. But it was just so silly. But in the regular part of the casino. Like in the regular part of the casino, do you see people like, you know, like a, like for, like, for example, in like 1994, would you see like a 22 year old girl playing blackjack or craps? Ever? Eh, I think it's all about the same, but uh, the thing is uh, the available money now and the younger people that have, you know, internet and this and they've made their money on, uh, you know, for instance, like Mark Cuban and all these guys. Right. There's a lot more money, you know. You know, I made my money on construction and this and that, and but now it's uh, electronic and stuff. But it's all the same. I mean, you play roulette, you know, you're gonna go play roulette for, you know, just your numbers or mm -hmm. some kind of a, a sequence or whatever or an algorithm. I don't know. I mean, it, it's it all comes down to the same thing. Are right. the dice gonna fall in your, you know, in the right spot? Or they're not. Right. So do you think that, uh, like, the way this is kind of going different direction, like the way people dress is different from back in, like, the mid-'80s to now, like just walking through the casino? Is it a, Was it a bigger deal back then, or what do you think? It's not only in the casino or in, La in Las Vegas. I uh, used to go to dances, you know, like in Texas, Arizona. Uh, people used to dress like, I'm not going to say zoot suits or whatever, but real nice suits, a nice, you know, a nice hat or whatever. And, you know, even church, you know. I've seen people going to baptism and stuff. It looks like they're going to a nightclub. Oh, my God. Yeah, but, it's a... but specifically to Vegas. Let's get back to Vegas. Okay. Walking through the casino, what do you? What would you see? In the day, and uh, during the day, you would see regular people or whatever. Jeans? Now, what? Like jeans? Jeans, blacks. yeah, yeah. Now it's, uh, you know, sweats. Uh, a lot of gold, mm -hmm. a lot of gold chains and stuff or whatever. But uh, at night, you know, uh, people are, you know, I don't know if they're representing or mm -hmm. or fronting, as I say now, uh, before a concert or before a nice dinner. There's, uh, you know, there's, a, I don't know if it's real money, old money, mm -hmm. whatever, but there's a lot of people uh, nicely dressed, nicely dressed. Yeah. But uh, there's so many shows now that uh, you're not going to go in out, you know, to go see a Celine Dion or a Adele mm -hmm. in sweats or jeans, you know, you know, you, you represent, you know, but there's always going to be a sore thumb out there. Mm -hmm. All right. So we kind of talked about old Vegas. So we're going to take a little break and then we're going to get into sort of my dad's first things he saw, some of his favorite things he saw and modern Las Vegas, how it is now. So he's a little bit more, uh, let's just say, uh, knowledgeable of what's going around around town. So that's our first half of our pod, and we're going to be coming back right after this.
Hey everybody, this is Brian Ortega from Concierge Confidential. Just letting you know about a new podcast that we have out. It's called Last Night in Vegas with me, Brian Ortega. Hopefully you're able to listen to it. Um, it'll be periodically put out throughout the week. And usually if I go out in the evening, you'll probably be hearing a podcast about how that night went. So make sure to check out our new podcast, Last Night in Vegas, presented by Neon Smoke Productions. All right, everybody, we are back. So I'm here with my dad, Alex Ortega, who's been coming to Vegas ever since I can remember. And even before, uh, we've clocked it in around 360 times. My dad's probably been to Las Vegas. So anyway, so we're back. How's it going so far, dad? Very nice. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. What are you looking at? Is an insect? A bug. A bug in our house. Very nice. This is good radio. So hopefully everybody can see it. Anyway, so I did want to ask my dad. Uh, just, I'll, it's always fun to ask people what their first are, just because it kind of gives you an idea of what was going on at the time. So I did ask my dad what his first show was. So dad, what was your first show that you saw in Las Vegas? Well, this is going to date me quite a bit, but it was Suzanne Summers, and we went to the Hilton and don't ask me what her, you know, what, what she was doing, but that's when uh, three's company was so popular. And I took the wife, and we sat right in the front. Uh, I slipped the dude uh, 20 bucks, and he put us right up in front. And she was fine. She was beautiful and everything. He sang and danced a little bit, but that was our first thing, the Hilton. So the Mater, so it was like a Mater D. Oh yeah. Did he have yeah. like a like a bow tie on and everything? Yeah. Because I think if so, if you went to go Suzanne Summers in the Las Vegas Hilton, which he's never told me this story, that would have been the same theater that elvis played in in the, when i was in the the international hotel which is actually kind of a cool piece of history because it is the same stage and i know um we've had this guy on the name the show before his name's ryan hunter who does audio over there and there's actually on the stage a little plaque that says elvis stood here inside of that theater so you saw suzanne summers at the las vegas hilton so you didn't you didn't know why you were going to suzanne, suzanne summers hey she was hot at the time i mean mm -hmm. you know it, beautiful gorgeous and then you got there so let's just let's just kind of walk it through yeah. so you get there you show them the paper ticket obviously they ripped the ticket and then is the and the mater d's showing you to the table and so I, did you slip it to them like at no, the podium I, or hey we're young and stupid or whatever but we had heard if you you know grease the skids a little bit to put you up a little you know so we give her 20 uh give the guy 20 bucks and we're in the Second row. Did, Very you, nice. did you tell him, like, make the seats good? Like, what did, what did you say? No, no, I, Thanks. Hey, but, you know, I, had, I was still impressing my wife, you know what I mean? And, you know, I, mm -hmm. like, I've been there before. Stepped in 20. Hey, what's up? And uh, very nice. Yeah, and then he just walked you down? All the way down. We walk <laughs> over there and we look around and everything. But I don't know if people have been to a Vegas show, but it's, you know, Back then, they used to bring you this little bottle of, of beers, mm -hmm. very you know quaint and everything. But it was not all crazy or whatever because when the show was going on, they don't want a bunch of people, especially in the front rows, blocking the view. Oh, I see. So they bring you stuff or whatever, and uh, it wasn't a dinner show. Mm -hmm. It was just whatever. You're not that old. But advice: when you get a dinner show in a in a Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. I uh, you know how are you gonna eat with strangers and you're all cramped up? Right. 
I would not recommend a dinner show. Yeah, which I don't think there's that many dinner shows around anymore. I think Excalibur has Tournament of Kings, which is like the last dinner show. But there's a lot of, as I've kind of talked before, a lot of supper clubs, which are coming back in vogue again, which I was just watching Goodfellas here at home because there's not a lot to watch in the TVs in my house. So um, they had the Copacabana, which we talk about that on the pod a lot. But uh, supper clubs have become very popular, I think because... A lot of the shows are very expensive now. They're like minimum $100, $150. And then you're also going to probably want to go to dinner as well. So you're looking at $200 plus another $300. You're already at $500 for one evening. And that's you know a couple hours of your life. So what people are doing now is people are going to supper clubs like Delilah's, uh, made for a supper club, which are places I like to go to, and get dinner with the show. And would you think that that's a better trade-off? Would you say that's something you want to see now, which is live music? Um, food, drinks as much as you want. Would you prefer that rather than going to dinner and a show nowadays? Uh, I think that's too heavy. I mean, uh, you're going to have a full dinner and a couple of drinks, and then what are you going to do? You're going to be all you know, bloated or whatever. Yeah, but, I would. But, rather... but you go to sleep at like 7 o'clock. Well, that's perfect for you. No, I want small plates, and I want... Uh, what what they call uh, tapas? Yes, you yeah. can do like yeah, the, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, family yeah. style, like group dining. Yeah, yeah, and then you walk the strip a little bit, get some fresh air. But no, I, I, I and the light lights or whatever. What's what's that gonna set you back about three four hundred dollars? Well, if you go with you know me, mom, and you, no, uh, but you can share. No. You can share. That's like the tip is you share you share all the items. Yeah. And that you can make it tapas that way. Yeah. No, I, I'd rather not go to those So you places. went to Suzanne Summers. Yes. That was your first Vegas. And then you gave him a 20. So we actually just did a, a episode about tipping in Las Vegas. So thank you so much for just going with what I just said on the last podcast about tipping and what it gets you. Maybe not, in, maybe not nowadays for the shows in particular because we have like assigned seats now. But honestly, it still works. I know one time we went to go see – I went to go see a show – at uh, the Venetian called uh, Star-Crossed Lovers. It was a Baz Luhrmann show, and it had a similar setup to an old Vegas show where it had different types of seating. It had, like, regular theater-style seats. It had sort of the sort of the booth seating, and then it also had, like, tables. And we were able to give the usher a 20, and they can move you up. Because the ushers do know where there's part of their seats that are not available. So... For those of you wondering, why do we have whole rows available? It's actually because this is going back to concierge days. Is that they would typically block off for like Ka, for example, two rows in the 102 section, which is right in front of the stage and the best seats available. And those seats were all tickets that were blocked out for the casino host to use if somebody, like for example, came in and they won a lot of money and they wanted them to go see a show or someone said, hey, I want to see a show. They had those block of tickets to give out, and that's why they would keep those tickets available, which those would go on sale like 15, 20 minutes right before showtime to be able to sell those tickets. So that's why that they have those empty seats. So speaking of comp tickets and those kind of things, uh, my dad does have a story, and I, I, know, I remember this story. This is a thing that doesn't happen very often where he won money, and this doesn't happen very often for normal people, where he actually won a bet and then was able to get – a couple of free things. So tell me how this worked out. So tell me sort of the iteration of this story. Okay, I was at uh, the Win. Uh, there was uh, the Win or the New York, New York. No, are you looking at uh, when I was gonna when you went when you got the comp? 
Oh, okay. Yeah, so tell me the comp story. Okay. I'm going to give you another story first. Okay, let's hear it. Okay, we're at the win, and I uh, won a sports bet for uh, $360. And I said, damn, I lost my ticket. I knew I had won it. And uh, I go, oh, it's gone. So my wife calls me. I was at the pool. She says, uh, they called you from the sports book. And I go, what do they want? They found your ticket. So I ran over there or whatever, and I, and I talked to the manager over there, and they said, is this your ticket? I go, yes. And I had used my uh, player's card, which I guess uh, is a good thing f uh, for everybody to get a player's card. And some guy tried to cash my ticket, mm -hmm. and he was a regular... And the last time this guy had a hundred dollar ticket was probably in you know two thousand zero, <laughs> and they said this is not your ticket, and so they called me, and I got my ticket. So that was a really really good story from the win, that I got my ticket. They cashed it and they tracked it down. To my player's card. So okay. I never. So actually, that actually happens at Circa. So Circa, you can use your player's card. I never tried using my player's card at uh, South Point or at um, any other property. But if you use, you, so if you have a player's card at Circa and you want to use it, you use it to make a bet. They swipe your card, they do the bet, and when you come in to cash the bet, you give them your bet, and they'll run it through the machine because sometimes I'm in a hurry. And they actually will say, give me your player's card, which I think is like sometimes of inconvenience or whatever. But and I think it is actually to track, you know, how much you're betting. But this is actually another good example of why they do that is that if someone tries to cash a ticket and it's not doesn't match, they don't cash it, which I, that's actually cool. I didn't know they did that that long ago at the win. Yes, so that's cool. Yes. So, OK, yeah. back so, to your thing. So back to so the story. when I got comp Gallagher's. Yes. OK. Thank you. Uh, I, uh, had, uh, I bet the horses at, uh, North New York, which is probably the worst sports book on this trip, yes, but, uh, oh my God, it's just so small. And, and you a, don't have to say how much you want either. And there's a restroom right behind and this or that. And so anyhow, so I won $21,000 on a trifecta bet. Mm -hmm. So I cashed that. Do you remember the track? Uh, East Coast track. Okay. So uh, uh, the manager came over, or whatever, I got paid or whatever. So they didn't want me to leave. So I bet a few more races or whatever. They said, uh, can you have dinner with us, you know, on us? I go, sure, whatever. So I guess they didn't want to, you know, not a small time. I mean, uh, I was honored. Mm -hmm. So we went to uh, Gallagher Steakhouse, and me and the wife ordered everything we could and <laughs> we still had change left over they gave me a 500 dollar voucher oh wow and uh, we ate steak and everything and i don't know if you guys have ever been to the new york new york but uh, the meat is hanging there i guess it's dry aged or whatever the heck but uh we had a great time we got comped and they just wanted me to keep playing there so how, so how do it work so you want so you hit the ticket mm-hmm were you standing in front of the New York, New York sports book? I was watching it. No, I was watching it right there. Mm -hmm. And when I went to cash my ticket, the, the machine stopped. It started smoking <laughs> or something. I don't know. <laughs> and they said, no, we're going to have to. And in those days, of course, you had to have uh, ID uh -huh. for the IRS and everything. And then the manager came over and everything. And uh, 
it was it was a great night. So, you, so, but, so the manager came over. Hello, did he say hello, Mr. Ortega? Yes, yes. And uh, we would like to make you a guest for this evening and this and that. But, you know, you can only eat so much. Right. But, we just uh, ordered, like, all the sides. You should have got, like, a... Well, you don't drink wine. That's where you no, could have spent no. it on. You could have spent it on some expensive alcohol. I guess. I That'll guess. get the number up. But, you know. It was a good night. It was. Did they a good run them? Did they run the money through a, a cash machine? Yes, yes. Nice. And they said, uh, "Would you like me to count it out?" I go, "No, the computer doesn't make mistakes." Okay. Did, did you, <laughs> you should have put it like in a duffel bag, like maybe like maybe. Oh my god! I, yeah, yeah. Or a bat. You should have went and got like a Louis Vuitton backpack. I should have told them, "Pay me in ones." <laughs> I don't think they would have. No, no. It was a great time. It was a great. They, time. they should have paid you in a vo- like in a voucher, like you do at the local places now, where they don't have it. There on was hand. no vouchers back then. Yeah. There were no vouchers. Oh, it's all cash money. No. So you did the comp. Have you ever gotten a comp like that before? It's really hard to get those comps now. Because it's so computerized. So when did you get this comp? What, about what year? Mm. Mid to, like the early 2000s? Yeah, yeah. But see, the thing is, I'm not there to get free stuff, okay? Right. You're going to give me some, whatever. But uh, let's go back back in time. Everybody was so fixated on getting uh, free drinks, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and the thing is, especially in the sports book, some people go there and stay 10 12 hours without spending any money. Mm-hmm. So now they ruin it for everybody because you go, it used to be you, you could go bet a $5 ticket, mm-hmm. get a, uh, you get a coupon. Now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, they want you to bet $20, $50, whatever. Mm-hmm. Some places $100. Some pla- like Circa, they pe- want you to bet $100. Because people were taking advantage. Right. So, you know... You're going to sit there, and then you cut your tickets, and you make a mess, and they don't bet anything. So they're really, really watching who's betting and who's there for the whole freaking day and trying to get a free drink. Right. So if someone was trying to get anything, would you say that so many things have become automated, and we'll get into our modern-day kind of discussion, is that whole thing, which I talked about it a lot on the last podcast about tipping, is... People don't want to talk to other people, but they're also mad when they don't get certain things like a better hotel room or better seats at a show or better places at, for example, a restaurant. Is that something that you wish would be sort of come back, which is the more human interaction in hotels? Uh, what do you think? You know, they tried uh, They had a timer on some of these uh, these. Uh, Video games where mm-hmm. you sit on you sit on the bar and then they put a video. I mean, you know, you're playing a video game, right? And the clock is going. The video and poker. It, it, that's it's lost the personal touch, right? And uh, if you know, I see on Facebook and stuff, and people say, "Okay, how much is this? How much is meal? How much?" You know, I, I don't want to be vulgar or mean or whatever, but Please. if, you're, if <laughs> No, if you're going to Vegas and you're going to start like worrying about the price of the cab from the hotel to the other hotel mm-hmm. or from the airport to your hotel, man, you better not go to Vegas, okay? I mean, right. don't be pinching pennies. I mean, yeah. have a good time or whatever. But if you can't afford it, don't go. Right. And I think that's the thing is like we, we don't like to tell people 
that, you know, Vegas is for a certain person. But you have to understand, Vegas does go through cycles and it just kind of works that way. The thing is, is that Vegas had its affordable era in the 80s, the mid 90s when it was very kid friendly. Then the 2000s came and that's really when things changed, when Vegas became almost very adult only for a very long time. Think like the Palms and the Playboy Tower and all that stuff. And now it's really gotten into sort of its high-end stage. Think like Dubai, uh, uh, Dubai, Abu Dhabi. That's who they're competing with. They're competing with the destination cities for millennials. The millennials have a lot more money now. That's sort of like the new money into town because the thing is, is like, uh, what do you call Baby boomers used to be the ones that we used to get all the sort of the ideas of what we do next. But... You're right, Dad. It's just it's become it's a become a very expensive city to travel to, and it's just that's kind of become the norm, and you kind of have to deal with it. And there's still budget things you can do, but I I agree with you where it's really hard to try to pinch pennies, especially from when I used to be a concierge. People would want affordable shows, which they're out there, but I think you're right that it's it's hard to find that sort of affordable trip in Las Vegas anymore. So. Brian, you have girls dancing, you know, I love it. I, I love women. I, I love my wife and everything. And they're dancing on countertops and on bars mm-hmm. or whatever. It's very uncomfortable when you see a family of six or seven walk through the casino. Right. And you have a girl. No, she's not naked or anything, but, you know, it's very uncomfortable. Right. Now, if you're going to be that ignorant mm-hmm. and not know where you're going... Well, that's, I guess, your problem. True, true. So what's something that you wish they would bring back from the old days that you that they don't really have anymore? Maybe the personal touch, more hosts. What do you think? More buffets? Well, Follies Berger. Mm-hmm. So like adult shows. Ve- yeah, but Vegas was built on the big production. headsets, the mm-hmm. production, the, you know, the topless right you know in in good taste which like for example zumanity which was one of my favorite shows in town which i saw like five or six times which is actually not super expensive they got rid of it for the uh mad apple which is a new show that came into town and i think it was this whole thing that they're trying to monetize a lot and do you think that you want to get away from that so you've been to circa you've stayed there which is owned by Derek stevens and really, he owns three hotels on Fremont Street. But really, you see him there, working there every day. Do you think that's something that would benefit the Strip by having a hotel that has a single owner or a single CEO who's there to oversee things? Like Steve Wynn, for example. Um, which, obviously, we know what happened to Steve Wynn later in his life. But really, somebody who's there on hands where all the employees know who the boss is. So they sort of live up to that level. But I don't think that's something that's attainable but do you think that would be helpful what do you think oh uh, well uh, a little bit off the subject mm-hmm. i think um uh, what what what's the owner's name derek stevens derek stevens i think he is very very brave he finished his hotel he never laid anybody off during the covid mm-hmm. he was the first guy that Put up a brand new hotel, I don't know, 40 years in the downtown. Yeah. Never stopped construction. 
never let anybody off. This guy is my hero mm -hmm. because he built this thing and he kept going and going and going during the COVID. Now he's reaping the benefits because he, oh my God, very, very nice. He is my hero. And do you think it's because of how he sort of threw it back to sort of, you can see who the owner is, you can see who the people are, and also like, hey, like, come have a drink on us, whatever, it's a business. But just sort of that, sort of the mixture of New Vegas with the sports book and everything, but still having like sort of that old school vibe, which I think a lot of millennials want. I think a lot of people who are my age want the personal touch, they want... The sort of they want the touch of old Vegas, you know. Yeah, you'll see him at the long bar at the D, and, uh, and then he's made the new long bar at the Circa, mm -hmm. and uh, it means a lot. It means a lot, and uh, oh my God, talk about the circus pool and mm -hmm. everything else and stuff. But yeah, yeah, he's he's, he's very personable. Yeah. So what's so what's your favorite part of New Vegas? What do you like most about the new parts of town? New parts of town. Uh, let's see. Uh, Cosmo, I find a little bit ritzy, mm -hmm. but uh, Which is my favorite place. I know it. You're young. You're young, but uh, no, it's it's great and everything. But uh, way way, uh, it would be South. I like South Point a little bit. It's like. Because mm -hmm. uh, I like sports books, so you have the horses on one complete area. Mm -hmm. Then you have the sports betting in another area, which is kind of fun because sometimes if it, everything's mixed in together, uh, there's a post time coming up, and you can't get it in, but you have somebody else trying to bet a ball game or whatever. So that's kind of good where, where the horses are separate. Right. You know, from the game. So do you think the food has gotten better? Like, do you think from when you started going? Oh, are you kidding me? You have freaking chefs from all over the world. Mm -hmm. uh, Michael Mina, and you have... Uh, Wolfgang uh, Puck. Oh, Wolfgang Puck. Wolf and Gordon Ramsay. Well, Gordon Ramsay, I'm mm -hmm. kind, of a, kind of a hothead. But anyways, <laughs> uh, what about Wicked Spoon? Yeah. This Wicked Spoon buffet is like a... Gourmet dinner. That's right. When have I ever ordered bone marrow? Bone marrow. Mm -hmm. And then you get which is your, like your uh, new delicacy that you've gotten oh. into. Then you get your uh, lobster. Yep, you got so you got lobster at uh, that place at the Bellagio. Yes, I forgot what it's called. Harvest, which they peeled the whole thing off for you, and you had it. But the lobster with the macaroni. What do you call? Oh, it? the lo lobster mac and cheese. Oh my god! Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah, where would you get that before? So would you say that's the best advent that you've had over the years? Yeah. The better chefs? Yes, but the prices have gone up. Right. And uh, I would recommend uh, Vegas Vacation to anybody that's ever never seen it. It's fun. Mm -hmm. And that's probably one of the only uh, movies that uh, is, there's no nudity. There's no, you know, no hanky-panky. <laughs> but it's kind of fun, you know. And that well, that was filmed at the uh, Mirage. Mirage, yeah. Which is yeah. now going to be the Hard Rock and no more volcano. No, no, don't tell me that. Yeah, and they're okay. going to put a they're going to take out the volcano and put a guitar on it. All right. So, anything, any closing thoughts that you have about Vegas that you you know have had thoughts about or wanted to say? 
What's your favorite hotel? What's your favorite? Like, if you go to the Strip, downtown we talked about Circa. But if you go to the Strip, what is one of your favorite places to go? Well, Caesars Palace is such a staple. Right. It's just such a staple. But, oh, my God, in the 30 years, it has changed so much. You wouldn't recognize it. Right. I mean, you walk in, and, you know, you have Caesar, and you touch him and all that or whatever. But Bobby Flav is come and gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, my mom used to go, okay, 50 years ago. You know, they're from common, you know, just common mm-hmm. people. They used to love the buffet. And right. all it was, it was like a little circle and had bananas with, uh, but what do you call it? Banana? Uh, b- uh, banana sundae? No, with banana the hot, split. With, no, with the hot, with the hot syrup. Yeah, banana split. That's what it is. And they used to go, and it was just small, and it was dark. Yeah. It, no, it has changed a lot. Caesar's Palace is a staple, and uh, you know uh, they've made movies about it and all that stuff. But uh, I love it all. I love it all. Mm-hmm. And since my kid here went to school and everything, so we have to check his grades and all that. Right. Although, yeah. although, although you graduated, what, eight years, five years ago? Yeah, I graduated a while ago. But yeah. maybe I'll go back and no. you can check I love, I love Vegas. So last, last bit before we kind of finish up here. So what was your favorite decade of Vegas so far? Would you say the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, up until like let's just say 2010 or now? I would say 80s because uh, we had been there a few times or whatever and had, you know, a couple bucks in my pocket. And uh, it was fun. Yep, it was fun. So I would say the 80s, but hey, what what, what decade are we in now? What's that? We're what decade? in 2020s, I would say. Let's go. Oh, <laughs> all right. All right, guys. So that was my dad who was, you know, been to vegas so many times i hope you guys enjoyed that conversation hopefully you listen to the whole thing or you can listen to it in pieces but again that was concierge confidential for this week the vacation week i want to say thanks dad thank you son thanks so hopefully you guys enjoyed it hope you guys listen to our next episode which is last night in vegas which will be coming out later on in the week and of course next week when we cover something hopefully edc possibly and figuring out you know how to get to and from the las vegas motor speedway and the best ways to enjoy edc that way so for this week's episode of concierge confidential i'm your host brian ortega i want to thank my dad alex ortega for joining the pod Remember, if you travel to Vegas and you see something, remember, keep it confidential.